Atheist Nomads episode 329. The impeachment has begun. The podcast you're about to listen to includes cursing and talking about hoo-haws. Please be advised. Welcome to the episode of Atheist Nomads. I am Dustin, and it's just going to be me today. Yeah, earlier this week, over the weekend and beginning of this week, I've uh, been dealing with being ill, and I'm actually starting to get better, and um, yeah, we're both doing better, but... Lauren's still a little under the weather. Uh, highest temperature reading she got on herself was uh, 103. Highest I got was uh, 102. <laughs> Definitely sucks, and mine probably continued to rise after that 102 level. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a rough one, um, but we we made it through, and um, still going. And yep, it's time to record. So. Uh, not, probably won't be all that long of an episode, but, um, still got stuff to talk about. And, uh, today, uh, recording this on Wednesday, um, we watched the, I was working from home and we had the impeachment proceedings on since those are now being broadcast live as they're recording and yeah, pretty damning testimony. And the questioning from the representatives afterwards was, uh, Pretty telling as to what's going on. The Democrats were, at least early on, trying to stick on point, just asking questions about what the witnesses had testified to. And the Republicans were specifically asking questions, trying to discredit the witnesses. That's bullshit. That is straight up 100% bullshit. Uh, I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. During a proceeding like that, what should matter is finding out what actually happened, determining facts, asking a witness. Like, there was one entire set of questions where almost every single answer was, I have no knowledge of that. Those are questions that should not have been asked because those were questions not relevant to the witness that the questions were being asked to. That is complete and utter bullshit. This should be an impartial, as much as possible, attempt at finding out the facts and determining what Congress's constitutional obligations are to ensure that we don't have somebody with the full power of the presidency interfering with the election. The motivation required for corruption and to prove corrupt intent if he were to interfere in his re-election bid um, would be pretty obvious. The benefit of re-electing himself and continuing to profit greatly off of the office of the presidency, which, interestingly enough, one of the Republicans was asking, um, I forget which of the two witnesses it was, about asked about the, the head of Burisma and his time in public office in Ukraine and about wasn't he being corrupt using that office to self-deal and enrich himself. I don't think that Republican congressman who was trying to use it to justify why Trump would have been trying to extort the Ukrainian government into investigating Burisma and Joe Biden's son, I don't think he realized the fact that his president has been using his office for self-dealing and personal enrichment with every single stay at a Trump property that happens or that he helps encourage happen. And he called it corruption. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the, the world that we're in now. It was an absurd... Absolutely, it was an absolutely absurd. Uh, like the 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 first part was was really good. It was competent people asking questions of competent witnesses, and yeah, when it went to the members to ask questions, it was just a shitstorm. And uh, yeah, yeah, um, it will be interesting to see where this goes, and uh, if. I I really hope that if the the findings uh, come down to it looking as bad as it is that Trump was attempting to bribe the Ukrainian president into investigating a political rival's son, that everyone would agree that that is inappropriate and unacceptable. Um, but so far, an entire political party is saying, "Oh no, that's that's fine." Um, and that's fucked up. Uh, don't want to talk about this all night, even though I'm sure I could. Um, a report has come out about Mike Pence meddling in USAID. Uh, USAID is the United States Agency for International Development. And it has generally been run by nonpartisan uh, bureaucrats who make impartial decisions based on need and the likelihood of you know how it fits with with their objectives for a particular region region and trying to get the most bang for their buck uh, in some cases that means working with a religious organization and sometimes it involves working with secular organizations and as isis was being driven out of iraq they were working with the un on trying to restore basic services in the areas that ISIS had pretty well destroyed all services. And to keep money flowing that way, some requests from Iraqi Christian groups were denied. Uh, USAID was going with the approach of reach the largest audience you can. Let me phrase that. Get the most bang for your buck. Uh, Christians account for somewhere between 1% and 3% of Iraq's population, and in these regions, it's a little bit higher, but not much. And they're not wanting to just benefit a small minority. They're they're they've been trying to work to benefit everyone. And Vice President Mike Pence exerted some influence and encouraged them very very strongly to reconsider the applications of a few Christian groups. Uh, with the threat that if they didn't, um, they would lose their jobs. Some did lose their jobs. <laughs> uh, so, as as one career civil servant put it, sometimes this decision will be made for us by the White House. See Iraq and increasingly Syria. Uh, that was Halam Ferguson, who works in USAID's Middle East Bureau. Uh, ProPublica saw this email, and uh, he, he continued in the email, we need to stay ahead of this curve everywhere, lest our interventions be dictated to us. Uh, five months before that email, his boss had been fired um, at the insistence of, and, and at the direction of uh, Pence's chief of staff. And so they went ahead and approved giving money to 
small Christian charities. This is this is bullshit. Um, it's not just the fact that it's it's political intervening in what should be very nonpartisan, nonpolitical government actions, but it's religiously motivated. Uh, while everyone agrees that in places like Iraq, where it is, and Syria for sure, um, where there are small religious minority groups like the uh, Yazidi, Yazidi and uh, Christians and a few others, that they need as much protection as possible. And I, I totally agree with that. But that doesn't mean they need to be getting USAID money that could be otherwise going to restoring civil water systems. Uh, people need clean drinking water a lot more than they need holy water. The Wisconsin Assembly is considering a resolution that would recognize Thanksgiving as National Bible Week. This is a bullshit bill that would encourage everyone to read the Bible, which religious people shouldn't need to be encouraged to do that because if they're going to read it, they should be reading it anyway. Or they might be reading some other religious text that's appropriate for their religion. Or in the case of non-religious people like us, uh, they just aren't going to be reading it anyway because it's a worthless sack of shit. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about a book that provides guidelines on slavery, genocide, torture, tons of misogyny, tons of racism, tons of... uh, uh, a little bit of anti-gay bigotry, but it encourages a lot of anti-gay bigotry. Um, it, it, it's it's not a great... And it's just boring, too. Uh, this is something that comes... It's not, it's not directly from Project Blitz, the Christian nationalist playbook from about two... I think two years ago. Uh, but it is kind of like combining two of the resolutions from Project Blitz. Um, One would recognize a Christian Heritage Week, and the other is recognizing the importance of the Bible in history. Um, This just kind of combines this into one. And it is stupid. Um, Yes, there is some history for National Bible Week, and that dates back to to Pearl Harbor Day. Uh, Nobody would have opposed that then because... They would have been afraid that it would have looked unpatriotic. Um, but people need to be opposing this now. Saudi Arabia's state security agency has put out a promotional video. And in this promotional video, they label feminism, homosexuality, and atheism as extremist ideas. This is happening at the same time that... Saudi Arabia is trying to present some tolerance and trying to slowly modernize and liberalize and attract foreign, uh, more foreign tourism. But this uh, new video that's come out is making it very clear that to the their their security agency, no, in fact, all forms of extremism are. Per- and perversion are unacceptable. So if you're gay, an atheist, or a feminist, or all three, uh, that is highly unacceptable to Saudi Arabia, but I don't think, but I don't expect them to have a booming uh, 
tourism industry aside from uh, the Hajj anytime soon. <clears throat> and the Hajj is the Islamic uh, pilgrimage to Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia. In Italy, an 11-year-old girl is um, being called a hero. She used her cell phone to document her Catholic priest molesting her. Uh, this had initially been reported to the bishop as early as May 2018. Uh, other members of their church had also been told about it. Um, the priest in the video or in the recordings um, can be heard saying, look, there's no one here. You are scared. Embrace me. Kiss me. Do you know that I love you? Do you want a little kiss? Uh, and she kept, she started recording all of this. Uh, one, in one of them, the priest says, you can tell lies. Do you understand you can lie? You're like Islamic suicide bombers throwing a bomb, killing people and leaving. The mud ends up also on your family and on you. Um, that was about her and her parents, uh, talking to church members about it. Eventually these recordings got handed over to the bishop. Uh, that was May, 2018. And nothing happened until a year and a half later when, yeah, the family gave the recordings to a TV show and the TV show went ahead and aired it. It was a political show. So yeah, they were all over that. And then after that was aired, the public prosecutor's office in Naples uh, went ahead and arrested the priest. I am amazed this doesn't happen more often. Uh, we know how, we know that priest abusing children is incredibly common, but most preteens and teens now have phones on them. Uh, and every cell phone is a tiny little portable audio video production, uh, system. So the fact that more of this isn't happening is surprising, <laughs> um, it's also disappointing that despite that much evidence and as much as the Catholic Church has been saying that they're trying to do better with this, that the bishop did nothing uh, and it took this going to the press for anything to happen. Uh, the Catholic Church may talk about changing. They haven't. There's no evidence that they have and until they are actually handing over records to the police for active uh, events that the bishops become aware of, uh, I will see no reason to think that it's changed at all. And a couple of years ago, we got to report about Greece doing away with their blasphemy laws. Well, as happens, uh, it's not uncommon for elections to result in... Uh, but Greece had new elections, and... Instead of it being a far-left party getting power, it ended up being a more conservative party um, taking power, and they have um, added malicious blasphemy and the abhorrence of religions back to their penal code with imprisonment of up to two years for anyone who maliciously swears at God and who publicly and maliciously swears at the Greek Orthodox Church or any religion tolerated in Greece. Uh, that is a that is a uh, 
blasphemy law that is almost as strict as you'll find in, in Muslim-majority countries, uh, and one that would make doing this podcast illegal. Uh, so that always sucks to see a, a country go the right direction and then turn around and go back. Uh, the EU really should be making blasphemy laws a violation of, of the uh, UN Convention on, on Human Rights, but of course there were enough countries in the EU that wanted to keep blasphemy illegal that they couldn't do that. Uh, free speech is a good thing, and if you aren't free to blaspheme, um, then you aren't really free to practice your religion, unless it is specific enough of a blasphemy law to only apply to the majority religion as is this case and is like what you usually find in Muslim uh, majority countries. So, yeah, that sucks. Um, and this has caused quite the, the refugee issue in uh, Bangladesh, a country that already has a super high uh, population density and very, very common, very catastrophic flooding. And then adding... A whole nother group of people fleeing to their their country for safety uh, has been definitely been a problem for them. They they are kind of overwhelmed, and um, so Rohingya have not been doing well in, in that process uh, as refugees. Uh, but what they were fleeing was, you know, their towns getting burned down in what the as as part of what the uh, the the military was calling clearance operations, trying to clear them out. So burn down their cities, rape women, murder people. Um, the, the numbers are, are staggering, but uh, it's, 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 it's horrible. And this has largely gone unnoticed. Well, Gambia, on behalf of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, has submitted charges in the UN's International Court of Justice against Miramar for genocide against the Rohingya. This is the first time that the Hague, um, what the, the international, um, this is the first time that the International Court of Justice, also known as the Hague, has investigated genocide on its own. Um, in all previous cases, they had to use, they were using findings from other tribunals that had been set up, um, like the one uh, that was created for the former Yugoslavia and the uh, genocidal actions there. And so this is uh, getting serious. And we have some good news. Uh, Germany has finally decided to reduce the so-called tampon tax. Uh, Germany, like most countries in Europe, has VAT, value-added tax. And this tax has been, it is, is separated into different categories. So you have um, common necessities, um, which in, in Germany includes items like food, Cut flowers, bus fares, train tickets, household pets like goldfish. Um, those are all taxed at 7%. And then you have the 19% luxury item tax that has included tampons, pads, menstrual cups, and other menstrual products. Classifying them as a luxury. This has been... There has been petition after petition after petition to try to get them to change this. 
And finally, menstrual products have been reclassified and will now be in the everyday normal goods category at 7%. Now, personally, I'm of the opinion that any kind of tax like this, because it looks a lot like a sales tax to me, shouldn't be applied to actual necessities of life. Uh, food, menstrual products, those are things, I would include condoms on the list as well, uh, should not be taxed. Uh, sales tax of any kind are inherently regressive, they always hit the poor harder than the rich because the poor will always spend a higher percentage of their income than the rich will. And taxing things like food is definitely going to be hitting uh, the poor. But having high taxes on products that are used exclusively by people with a uterus, um, considering that women are generally paid less than men, and that's not just an American thing, that is something you'll find around the world, um, that's punishing people, especially poor women. Um, it, it is highly regressive. Uh, it, it is, it is good to see that they are changing this. And a new study in the UK simulated what it'd be like in deep sea hydrothermal vents to see if it's possible for protocells to form in that environment. Protocells are not cells. There's no nucleus. There's no... Uh, DNA in it, it is basically just a lipid uh, capsule, but it is it is viewed as a very key stepping stone to the development of, of cell-based life, and they have determined that heat and alkalinity, so a very high pH, uh, and the fatty, um, fatty acids that they found in some of these vents are perfect for causing these protocells to self-assemble. Uh, conventionally, the abiogenesis has assumed that life began in shallow, uh, shallow pools, and this is suggesting that no, it may have actually been at the bottom of oceans, which is incredible, uh, and gets us one step closer to the possibility of determining how... Um, exactly how life began on Earth. And every step closer we get, not only does it help answer that question, it makes it easier to figure out where to look for life in space. Uh, if, it's, if life can develop with hydrothermal vents, then the chances of life being elsewhere in our solar system, uh, the chance of life being elsewhere in our solar system is definitely higher uh, a number of Jupiter and Saturn's moons, the icy moons there, have liquid water and hydrothermal vents. So this is, is, is pretty fascinating. Uh, it, it's a good read. Um, this is pretty cool. And a new study out of Australia has taken a look at the effect that companion dogs have on human emotional health. And the study looked at 71 adults in Sydney. They were separated into three groups, people who had gotten a dog within a month of starting the study, people who were interested in getting a dog in the near future but agreed to not get one during the study, and people who had no interest in getting a dog. They had them fill out surveys to measure their mood, loneliness, and symptoms of psychological distress at three different points in time. 
and they found a little bit of evidence that the dog owners had fewer negative emotions. Um, but within three months of getting the new dog, that wasn't as clear. And they found that symptoms of depression and anxiety were not changed by having a dog. Um, but it's possible that that was because the dog owners in the group already had low levels of depression and anxiety. So it may not have, there may not have been anything detectable there, but they did find that the people who had dogs were less lonely than the people who didn't. And everybody with a dog can probably say, duh. <laughs> uh, they didn't determine exactly why. Uh, this was just looking at three surveys on how people were doing. Uh, but I know as somebody who, who has dogs, uh, when you have dogs, um, you will talk to a lot more people at random. Uh, you take your dog for a walk and you will end up talking to people. And if you go to a dog park, you're going to be talking to other people at the dog park. Uh, you'll get to know your neighbors better just by going for more walks as you take the dog, uh, for a walk. And yeah, they can be really good for getting you more human contact. And then when you get back home, you've got your, your little, your little friend who wants to cuddle and <laughs> that's, that, that, that can be nice. Uh, one of the other limitations they found in the study is all 79 participants were women. So, uh, it is a, a narrow sample size, um, with definite limitations, but it does suggest that there could be merit to doing more study or... This may be one that nobody's going to bother with because, again, duh, having a dog, <laughs> having man's best friend in your life will make you less lonely. <laughs> uh, and on that note, uh, I am done doing this uh, episode by myself. Uh, but before I go, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can always leave us a message on the website using the contact form. You can send us an email at contact at atheistnomads.com or you can leave a message via SpeakPipe using the link on the website or via atheistnomads.com slash SpeakPipe. And if you want to support the show, you can go to atheistnomads.com slash donate and find out the ways that you can because every dollar helps. Uh, and on that note, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find show notes and contact information at atheistnomads.com. Follow us on Twitter at Atheist Nomads and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash atheistnomads. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcatcher of choice. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review. The music is courtesy of Sturdy Fred. Until next time, this has been the Atheist Nomads.